time to wake up. It's Saturday morning. Find some milk and cereal. Grab a bowl and spoon. No, a bigger spoon. Head to the living room and take a seat on the floor. But Joseph and Chris present to you... Saturday Morning Cartoon! Hello everybody and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom! This is a show where we plop down on the living room floor with a big bowl of cereal and watch all your favorite cartoons, both old and new. I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. And today we watched... Metalocalypse. Metalocalypse aired from 2006 to 2013, where it went on hiatus. It's kind of still on hiatus. Created by Tommy Blacha and Brendan Small. Four seasons so far, 61 episodes, and one hour-long special. Most episodes are 11 minutes long, with the exception of season three, which were all 21 minutes long, and then they went back to the 11 minutes with season four. This aired originally on Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, and I think really that's the only place it has... Now it's running on Hulu, so check it out there for sure. For a short synopsis, the epic and over-the-top adventures of Death Clock, the world's most successful death metal band. Yeah, that about sums it up. Yep, that's pretty accurate. Um, so, like you said, it was done by Tommy Blacha and Brendan Small. Um, I, I'm not familiar with other stuff that Tommy's done, but Brendan Small did home movies, which mm-hmm. was on Adult Swim a long time before Metalocalypse. Holy crap, did I love home movies. Yeah. Like I, I watched that all the time. That was my introduction to John H. Benjamin, who is now on Archer, um, as Coach McGurk. That, oh, man, I, I loved that show so much. So back in the day when, when Metalocalypse was first being teased, I didn't really think that much of it until they mentioned Brendan Small. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna watch I, it. When I first saw that name, I was like, I remember Brendan Small from Home Movies, and then yeah. I didn't know it was the same person until I looked it up a little bit. But yeah, that's awesome. I used to love Home Movies, and I hope we get to do it on this show one day. I mean, we've been flooded with a bunch of listener requests, so I don't know if we'll ever get to choose a show again, Chris. <laughs> Someday we'll get there. <laughs> um, but we have been getting a lot of like adult shows lately. We've had several requested, so that might end up in the mix sometime. Who knows? But yeah, I loved it. So when I found out Metalocalypse was happening and that Brendan Small was doing it, it made sense because he did hide a lot of music stuff in home movies. Randomly, there's that one character that was always playing guitar with the hair over his eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Brendan was always singing, like just, you know, goofing off and doing weird stuff. So it's like it made a lot of sense that he was going to be doing that show so for the cast the cast is relatively small i mean all the main characters are pretty much voiced by two people as we said brendan small voices nathan explosion who is the singer of the band squizgar squigelf who is one of the guitarists and pickles the drummer obviously the drummer of the band tommy blacha voices toki wartooth the second guitarist and william murderface the lovable bass player of the band and he also voices this other character who only shows up for a few episodes not any of the ones we watched but i love this character who is dr roxo the rock and roll clown oh yeah he does cocaine so yeah absolutely love that character and almost any other character in this like any other voice is done by pretty much one of three people which would be victor brandt mark hamill or malcolm mcdowell they all three voiced a ton of characters 
lots of secondary characters and lots of various, you know, per episode characters. So not very familiar with Victor, but we know Mark, we know Malcolm McDowell. So that's really awesome to see those two. I get super excited every time I see Mark Hamill's name listed for a cartoon because I know it's going to be good. Yeah, I was surprised to see that. But when I did see it, I could totally hear it in the two voices that the two main voices that he does throughout the episodes that we watched, at least. And I'm going to list off the characters here, just a few of them, the main characters at least. Squiscar, Squig Elf, Taller Than a Tree, Toki Wartooth, Not a Bumblebee, William Murderface, 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 Pickles a Drummer, Doodly Doo, Ding Dong, Doodly, Doodly Doo, and then Nathan Explosion. (laughs) (laughs) That's the lyrics of the theme song, but in the very first episode we'll get into, that's how one of the characters introduces them to some other characters, like (laughs) literally that exact thing, which is hilarious. Here are a few skull-shaped marshmallows of death out of our totally metal bowl of crimson blood. In October 2015, Brendan Small announced a month-long social campaign to have fans of the show contact Hulu and Adult Swim to convince them to co-fund the series finale to Metalocalypse, entitled Metalocalypse, the Army of Doomstar, the final chapter. Death Clock vs. the Goon one-shot comic was released July 22, 2009, written by Brendan Small and Eric Powell, of course, the creator of the Goon. In this, Death Clock is into the same universe as the Goon, who seeks to kill them. Three other comics were actually released, and all four were collected in a deluxe hardcover, which I definitely need to get. Yeah, I've never read The Goon, but I see it advertised a lot. Oh, Goon's um, awesome. I see lots of recommendations based on other comics that I read. So I always wanted to check it out. just never got to it. This is the perfect segue for me to do it. I mean, <laughs> exactly. it's just incentive mm-hmm. to uh, pick that one up with both of them in it. So that'll be fun. For sure. And for one final marshmallow, Dr. Roxo, the rock and roll clown, loves cocaine, as Chris said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so what are your memories of this show, Chris? Um, I have a lot of memories of this show. Um, Like I mentioned, I heard about it before it came out, so I was really excited for it. I watched it pretty religiously for the the first and second season, and then just because I didn't have television anymore after that point for a while, I got out of it. But I was in bands for a long time, and when this came out, I was playing in a band. So the humor, the jokes, and things like that, the caricatures of some of these characters were things that I could relate to because I I could see other people in the industry that I've met in these characters, just very exaggerated versions of, you know, the stereotypical people that I might meet playing shows and things like that. So it was a lot of fun for me. It was a lot of fun for my bandmates. We would all watch it together. And man, we would laugh just hysterically. (laughs) This was one of our favorite things to do as a band when we weren't playing music was to watch this show. So, I mean, we were recording it all the time. We were watching it all the time. We were constantly watching it like on the road. We would have a little TV set up. And uh, someone had downloaded a bunch to their phone, had their phone hooked up to this TV. So then we would just kind of watch it and stuff like that while we were traveling. And it was a lot of fun. Absolutely loved it. That's awesome. And you were the drummer, right? I was the drummer. So you'd think I would relate to Pickles, but he's not my favorite character. That's okay. I want to start calling you Pickles anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. As for me, like I do remember the show being on Adult Swim, but I never really watched it when it was airing. Didn't really consider myself like hardcore enough to listen to metal without seeming like I was faking it when I was growing up. So 
I figured if I couldn't be totally hardcore fan who drink blood and bit the heads off bats and <laughs> that uh, I, I wasn't worthy of listening to metal and therefore wasn't worthy of watching Metalocalypse. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I mean, that's the only reason I can imagine not blessing myself with this macabre masterpiece. This thing was great. I loved this show. Right. So one thing that I want to say, too, is like, I I mean, I, I listen to harder music sometimes more hardcore than metal or anything like that. So I never was into death metal, but I, I really enjoy the music in this show. It, it's pretty much the only thing of that kind of genre I enjoy, probably because it's just so exaggerated and ridiculous and because Anytime I listen to it, I'm relating it to what I saw in the show. But my wife, who doesn't listen to any of that kind of music whatsoever either, could sit down and listen to the CD in its entirety. And she's done it. I remember specifically one afternoon, she just literally just played Angry Birds on her phone and listened to the first album all the way through without stopping. And it was the funniest thing ever. It is a really fun like the music even in the few episodes that i watched was hilarious like it ties itself to the show it was written by the creators and it just sounds great like it's really good music and very fitting one more marshmallow too is that so brendan and tommy they recruited a couple people and they actually toured as death clock playing the songs from the show from the albums that they put out and they actually do release the albums you can find them anywhere else you'll find music I picked one up from Target. <laughs> anyway, but they, they actually toured as Death Clock. Obviously, they didn't look like the characters that much. But, I mean, they played the music. They sang the exact same way with Nathan's voice. It's really cool. I know that Tommy is actually a musician himself, so he at least composes a lot of these songs. I'm assuming, was he in that band? Do you know? Like, did he? Uh, yeah, him and Brendan both. Uh, Brendan, actually, he plays guitar also. Oh, okay. Um, I think those two, they play the guitar. I think Brendan sings as Nathan. I believe they recruited a bass player and they recruited a drummer to nice. fill in. That's awesome. Without further ado, let's just jump right into the three episodes that we watched for today's show. The very first episode, the highest rated episode... And finally, a random or listener chosen episode. We started off with the very first episode, The Curse of Death Clock, season one, episode one, where Death Clock performs at the Arctic Circle. Problems ensue when their chef gets dismembered in a freak helicopter accident, leaving the band to figure out how to make food for themselves. Yeah, and um, these episodes are really short, so that pretty much described the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, basically what's happening is thousands of people are flocking to the Arctic Circle to watch them perform this song. The best part is this song isn't even like a standard song. It's (laughs) supposed to be a jingle for a coffee company, Duncan Hills Coffee. But I mean, the jingle is they I mean, they made it a death metal jingle about coffee. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is a great way to introduce us to this universe where this death metal band is so popular that they are millionaires and they're they have so much power just to their name fans come and sign pain waivers dismissing death clock of all liability because they're coming in knowing that they're probably going to be hurt and or killed (laughs) (laughs) and even even the ones that were like Yeah, I lost an eye in the last show, and then... uh, The one guy got his fingers cut off? Yeah, the the one guy got his fingers cut off. He said something about, like, his fingers ended up on the stage, and then he goes, Murder face! (laughs) He's, like, all excited about it. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, this band just has such a hardcore following, but it's very comical in that the band's not very... I don't know, they're not very uh, intelligent, really. Oh, yeah, they're all idiots. Yeah, They're all complete idiots. But they do rock out pretty hardcore, and they they make good music, but they're just 
complete morons, but it's funny to follow them and watch them interact with a world that they obviously know very little about. (laughs) Yeah, they're all dumb. They're really naive. The only thing they're good at is making their music and that's it. And it's funny because, yeah, like you said, they have such a following. It's literally, it's like the Beatles in their heyday times 20 and uh, (laughs) that much richer, too. So, I mean, they have tons of power. They live in like a castle with servants and all their employees are all dressed like executioners with like the black hoods over them and stuff like that. They have this big flying metal like war helicopter looking thing. It's crazy. And... (laughs) One of my favorite things from this episode was the very first joke where they are inside their little helicopter or whatever. Looks like the inside of a giant castle thing. They're all sitting at a table. This new chef comes up and he's trying to present them some wine. And Nathan's like, no, we never drink before a show. And getting all angry and Murderface is like, I've been drinking all day. And Toki's like, me too. One by one, they all say me too. And finally, so Nathan goes, me too. (laughs) Yeah. I like where after their chef gets dismembered, as I said in the description, essentially a lot of this episode has to do with them trying to find a way to feed themselves because they don't really know how to. They're used to their servants doing it. So they go to a grocery store, but they don't even know what that's called. So food library. Yeah, they call it a food library. (laughs) And then watching them go through this grocery store, which doesn't sound like it would be funny, but watching them interact with everything and talk to people is just pretty hilarious. Just how I don't know how like you said, naive they are and how absolutely absurd their conversations get. I love when Nathan is looking at like the deli sausages. It's in that like glass deli case and he's just looking at them. So he just headbutts through the glass and just reaches in, pulls the sausages out. He's just got glass shards like in his face and his arm. (laughs) He's bleeding all over the place. (laughs) Oh, God. And then there's a part where I think it was a Swiss is talking to that grandmother. The grandmother, yeah. the gilf. And he calls calls her a G-milf. A G-milf, that's it. And you can take a guess at what that is. Oh, yeah. If you know what a milf is, you know what a G-milf is. Like we said, the music is really good, and the lyrics are hilarious if you actually listen to it. So the first song they do is the Duncan Hills Coffee, and it's literally Nathan sings, and well, it's not even singing. He, like, growls everything, you know? It's, like, growling, screaming, that kind of death metal sound. He's literally saying, do folks like coffee, real coffee from the hills of Columbia? One of the lines is extreme for the cream that he, like, growls so well, and I love it. (laughs) It's just so, so stupid that it's amazing. The only other thing that I really like is the very, very end of this episode. They decide they can't feed themselves, so they want to put Jean-Pierre, who's voiced by Mark Hamill, he was the chef that got dismembered, they want to put him back together so he can make them food. They're talking about sewing him back together, and Toki's like, oh, but we're such idiots, we would sew back together wrong. And Nathan's like, whoa! That's a great song title, and immediately cuts to the credits with the oh, song yeah. playing. Sewn back the, together The lyrics wrong. are like, yeah, sewn back together wrong, back together yeah. And it's it's good song too. It sounds awesome. It does sound awesome. It's so, so be it. back together wrong. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, and then we actually get to see him literally sewn back together. And as far as I know from the episodes I watched, he continues on with the series as right. a pretty much a Frankenstein kind of sewn together <laughs> chef. But willingly so. This one was actually the one that Jackie chose, Fat Kid at Death Harmonic, aka 
Fat Clock is what it was called on Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> this is season. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, this is season one, episode ten, where Death Clock struggles with parenthood after they adopt an overweight, mentally deficient boy. Also, having made too much money during the year, the band performs with the London Philharmonic Orchestra at a charity concert as a tax write-off. Yeah, so basically they made too much money this year, and they're trying to do charity things to write off for their taxes. They're dumb, and they think maybe <laughs> yeah. adopting a kid counts. It doesn't, but which, they did it anyway. <laughs> which their manager tells them after the fact. Like they said, it's a very overweight, mentally deficient child. My favorite part about this whole episode is the fact that this overweight child... We don't even, he doesn't even have a name. He's just fat kid or fatty. Or fatty. Yeah. yeah. The only sounds he makes, the only thing you hear come from him are hog noises. Yeah. He makes pig squeals yeah. the whole time. <laughs> That's it. That's it. And it's always when he's like being forced to do something or being chased and things or like being that. Restrained. But yeah. so it would be remiss if I didn't say this part, which was the very beginning of this episode. That's one of their charities. They went to this island that all these people on this island had been mutated because of all this toxic nuclear waste, a bunch of mutant people. And Death Clock also decides to make this island a home for wayward kitties. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So they rounded up all these feral kittens and stuff like that, brought them to this island so they can live freely w among these people and the people <laughs> have, you know, some companions, stuff like that. So <laughs> they have this giant container full of the cats and when they release them, the cats just run out and they just immediately start killing everybody. Yeah. They have to make it as extreme as possible. Even kittens. Yeah. But these yeah. kittens were pretty damn metal. Kittens were killing everything. Yes. After that point, they adopted the fat kid, and then they're like, that didn't count, so now they got to come up with something else. And what they come up with is they're going to perform with the London Philharmonic Orchestra at a charity event. At one point, when they're talking about fat kid, he's eating the wall, oh, yeah. like the bricks. <laughs> that's he's just when, eating it. That's when their manager notices him. Yeah, and they're chasing the kid around, and they decide he's too hyper. They take him to a vet, like a regular vet, to be neutered. <laughs> so then they they go and perform with the Philharmonic Orchestra. It's a cool song. It's one of the I think that's one of the cooler songs of the series. My favorite one is in the next episode, but we'll get there. But there's this big ball with lasers shooting out of it all over the place, right? It's supposed to be like a decoration while they play with the orchestra. Well, Fat Kid is there. He's always up to no good. He's always getting in trouble, and he knocks the ball over, like hits it. No, and no, the no. lasers go down that's, on the. That's, that's not what happens. He, oh, what happened? what happened? He he presses all these buttons. He's just mashing oh, that's right, that's buttons, right. and it starts this like a. It's eh, a spinning. Eh, yeah, and it's like I guess it set the lasers to death mode or something. Because yeah. that's when they start cutting everyone apart. Well, cutting the London Philharmonic's orchestra apart. You hear their music stop as they just are kind of sliced in half. Right. They just keep getting cut in half and stuff. And um, we find out later it killed the entire orchestra. Yeah. <laughs> Every single one. I liked um, Nathan's talk with him after the yeah, fact. That was exactly that's exactly <laughs> what I have down in my notes here is his talk with Fat Kid afterwards. And he's like <laughs> Now, we know it's totally your fault that the entire London Philharmonic was sliced in half by a laser beam. We know that you're sorry. We know that. I guess we kind of hoped you'd use better judgment, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Oh, so good. And what ends up happening after that conversation is... 
they decide, of course, that they're not fit for fatherhood and he would be better off if they just let him free. And it's where they decide to free him that kind of brings it back full circle because they go back to the island with the the wayward kitties with the wayward kitties. Yeah. And (laughs) drop him off. At which point he's immediately attacked by these cats who have clearly taken the island over. Right. Like they start flying away and he's like reaching out to them. It's yeah. playing this really pretty music and this really somber moment. And all the kitties just run out and just tear him to pieces. <laughs> but he'll be fine because he's fat. <laughs> yeah, he'll be fine. He's fat. One of my favorite lines of this episode before we go into the next one was when they were sitting at the table talking about the charity events and what they needed to do, where Toki said, well, I can rush all the blood to my face and give myself a real cool blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then he holds his breath to make his face real red and then his nose starts bleeding. And that's what he thought was a blowjob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Toki confuses words in English a lot. Yeah. Um, him and Squizgar are not from America. They are from, I believe, Norway. It's either yeah. Norway or Sweden. So they have heavy accents. They don't get words right very often. That's why in the first episode, they didn't know what the grocery store was. They kept calling it food libraries. Yeah, the food library, yeah. And it's, so. it's usually Pickles who has to correct everyone. Right. <laughs> Let's move on to the last episode that we watched, which was also the highest rated episode. Metalocalypse has begun season one, episode 20. So we did all season one episodes, even though there are four seasons. But really, this is a good taste of everything that this show has to offer. I imagine the other seasons kind of continue in this fashion. In this one, General Crozier and Cardinal Ravenwood hire an assassin, 216's brother, to kill Death Clock during a show and plan a military strike against them. So real quick to explain and set the stage for this. Over the entire course of the show, there is... And the best way to describe them is like an Illuminati. There's this cardinal from the Catholic Church and what looks like a bunch of military leaders from various countries. So it's a group of maybe seven or eight or so, and they meet in secret. And there is this prophecy that Death Clock fits the description of, of this group of individuals that is going to bring on the Metalocalypse, which is supposed to be the end of the world. So basically, they're kind of watching them, figuring out ways to undermine them. They are planning to take them out at some point. But the leader of this Illuminati keeps telling them that they need to wait for the right moment. The general and the cardinal start conspiring, just the two of them, because they're saying, we can't wait. We have to kill them now or we're looking at the end of the world. Like I said, they conspired in secret. They had an assassin infiltrate their employees in an earlier episode. That assassin ended up dying accidentally by tripping and falling and getting his face impaled on Murderface's horned codpiece he was happened to wear her <laughs> happened to be wearing in that episode. Um, went right through his head and killed him. So in this episode, the, it starts out the general finds this guy's brother who's like this horrible mercenary guy who's like torturing somebody to death when he finds him, explains what happened, that his brother's dead, and he gives him the chance for revenge to go and kill Death Clock for him. And so that is basically the groundwork for what happens in this episode. That's a good lead into what actually happened in this episode, because I didn't know anything about 216's death because I jumped into this without having seen that. But you can pretty much put context clues together and understand what's going on still. It's not too complex of a story that you'll have to watch every single episode, but it does help because there is continuity. 
yeah, slight continuity, not a yeah. whole lot, but a little bit in, yeah. in that aspect that there's a group that's planning against Deathlock. Yeah, and um, for this for this concert that they're playing that is mentioned in the description, the album is Deathwater, and they refuse to play it for humans because it was an album that was intended for only undersea creatures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But because of these renegade Death Clock fans who instilled the suicide petition and the terrorist petition, where they're destroying national monuments and leaving the streets littered with carcasses of metal fans and innocent people, they decide artistically it's not right to play this, but financially they need to, is what <laughs> is how they put it at least. Right. So they decide to go ahead and do a concert, and it's at the the edge of the water... Baltic Sea. So that's where they're having it so that the fish and humans can both attend. Yeah. <laughs> they're playing yeah. to the fish, but the humans can observe. This is the, the song that they play in this concert is my favorite song from the entire series. And it's because they did a great way of making this thing sound just extraordinarily epic. Just with the guitars, with the drums, everything. It just sounds awesome. And the animation just makes it even better. They do everything big. Everything is always done big. So they have these big old towers like out in the water surrounding this big stage, right? And there's these giant swinging like blades um, in front of the stage that are like spinning in time with the music as Death Clock starts to play. It it was an epic scene. It it was just so cool. And then... uh, that's when all hell kind of breaks loose. Yeah. The military or the Illuminati that you mentioned earlier, they choose this moment to actually attack Death Clock. It's mentioned a little bit earlier by their manager, which they don't listen to, that there are security protocols for death threats that they've received from fans previously that are actually going to uh they're actually going to come into play should they be attacked. So we get a little bit of foreshadowing of that. And then when the Illuminati actually attacks them, the walls of the stage come up and they are put into these pods that launch them out to escape to safety. Right. They get launched out like over the sea and uh, Squizgar and Toki get separated from the others. Like this was where, I mean, there's still a lot of humor, but there was kind of a change in theme in the show right here and that it got a little bit more serious than usual Mm -hmm. and that, you know, they had this big old army trying to take down Pickles, Nathan and Murderface. And then that assassin guy confronted Squizgar and Toki. But luckily their manager showed up and their manager, who's just this, you wouldn't guess it, this just average looking white dude, kind of nerdy looking. Very unassuming. Beats the shit out of this guy. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't stick around long enough to figure out what all the answer was for this. But on the other side where you had Nathan, Murderface, and Pickles, they get gassed by this army. Um, I mean, it's a big contingency of armed people like ready to kill them. They gas them, so they knock them out. Mm -hmm. And this was the doing of the, the general and that cardinal. They're there. They're ready to kill them. And then that head of the Illuminati, this really scary looking dude, Mr. Salicia. Yeah, shows up. And like we said, those two conspired against the rest of the Illuminati to take him out. And they went, even though he told him not to do it. So he shows up. He does some sort of weird like spell thing and clenches his fist. And the heads of everyone in that army explode. Proceeds to kill the Cardinal in a horrible way. Yeah, he first he explodes his eyes and then tears his entrails through his mouth. 
and and like wraps it around his neck or yeah, something. Yeah, something like that. And then the Cardinals' final words are, the Metalocalypse has begun. Yeah. Which ties us back to the episode title. Man, it was just crazy. And what was perfect here was they play that same song again right here at the credits. Mm-hmm. And like I said, that song is just has an epic scope to it. So like, I mean, it gave me like chills when yeah. that part came in. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. like this is awesome. One more thing that I wanted to, it was just one more joke I wanted to mention before we move on, which was a joke towards the beginning of the episode where <laughs> their manager comes in and they all have paper bags over their heads. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's like, what are you doing? Basically, they said they're traveling through time. Nathan explains that they found a way to travel through time at the speed of regular time <laughs> with plastic bags. It was plastic bags they had over their heads. Yeah. And one of my favorite was <laughs> Murderface takes his bag off <laughs> and uh, Pickle takes his off. And Murderface is like, boy in the street, what day is it? And <laughs> Pickles... <laughs> It goes, it's when it's free day. It's Friday. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite jokes of the entire series is when they, they pull that one off. And it was flawless. Flawless joke. Yeah. Loved it. The way that mur- murder faces delivery was awesome. The time travel face bags is what they were called. Yeah. Oh, one thing to mention is that the voice acting is awesome in this show. Each of their voices are really distinct and matches their personality perfectly. Nathan is really brooding and he's got this deep gravelly voice. Squizgar sounds extremely Northern European, really thick, heavy accent. Toki also has the accent, but he talks kind of like a child. And his voice is a lot higher pitched and that matches him perfectly. (laughs) And Murderface is just this dour (laughs) pull. (laughs) <laughs> who has that sound that he's just spitting when he talks and it always sounds like he's got something in his mouth. It's so good. And Pickles sounds fairly normal. He's just a very, uh, it's got a really nasally voice to him, but all of them are good. The voices they came up with were just fantastic. Oh yeah, they were spot on with all of that. Well, Chris, I think it's time we drag out our own inner mini metalheads to see what they thought of Metalocalypse. All right, uh, let me go adopt a kid for charity real quick. <laughs> Um, I'm not really sure I was supposed to watch this show. It's kind of scary, and there's a lot of blood, and there's a lot of guts. And I don't want to lose any of my arms or legs or my head or my face. But it was funny, and I really like the music. It's not music I would usually listen to, but I liked it. Toki is really funny, and I want to hang out with him, but I feel like I would get in trouble if I did. But I gave this cartoon five bowls of cereal with metal marshmallows out of five, and... My mom's yelling. I gotta go. Uh, okay. Well, let me start by saying that I absolutely should not have watched this show at my age. It was disgusting, disturbing, and excessively violent. Now that that's out of the way and there are no adults in earshot, this show f- rocked. This black comedy crossed the line of both parody and homage to the heavy metal culture, and I had a literal bloody good time for all the wrong reasons. I would give this show four metal bowls of cereal out of five. It's definitely not for everyone, especially kids. But I think just by watching the first episode, you'll have a good idea of whether or not you can stomach the show. Note to self, I'm now convinced that my upcoming Groovy Ghoulies-inspired monster-themed band needs to be a death metal. Well done, kids. And you're grounded for watching that show. Yeah, in retrospect, I probably shouldn't be showing these things to my inner child. I'm a terrible outer father. You are a terrible outer father. (laughs) Um, So do you have any final thoughts or anything before we get out of here? The only thing I'll really say is 
that I really wish I had watched this while it originally aired. This show was, it was stupid, but in a funny way. It was very self-aware. It knew that it was a dumb show, but so funny because of it. It was paying respects to the metal culture as well as poking fun at it. That's a great thing to do. It's a great place to be where you can do both, but still respect the actual source. So I definitely liked it. And I'm glad it was chosen. So thank you, Jackie. Yeah, thanks, Jackie. Yeah, like I said, I, I really enjoyed this show. It spoke to me on this extra level, having been a musician that was in bands and stuff like that, getting to meet people that some of these characters would remind me of. And like you said, it's a great way of it's celebrating and poking fun of the metal culture at the same time. And I know that metal fans appreciate this because a lot of the bands that I would meet out there, I, I didn't play metal music, but I mean, we would play shows with metal bands every once in a while. A, a lot of the people in uh, those bands and stuff like that were kind of the same way. I mean, they would be the big metal heads, but they would go out on stage wearing short shorts playing metal music, you know, being ironic, being goofy. So I know that this show connected with a lot of people that way. It was a really smart move, and I think they executed it as best as possible. Well said. Well said. Definitely a good show, so please, if you haven't, check it out. Well, listeners, it looks like our milk supply has now run dry, so it's time for us to say goodbye. And next week, we'll be watching... Doug, submitted by 4C Anderson Council via Twitter, at Nabroga. I like how you carried out the Doug part. You just had to drag it out. Doug! There, there wasn't much I could do with that to keep it in spirit with all the other episodes. No, so. you, you did well. You did well. You can't right. really stand up to Metalocalypse when you did the super deep voice. Doug! Doug! <laughs> well, once again, I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. And we'll see you next Saturday. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Definitely reach out and let us know what cartoon you'd like us to cover, along with some of your favorite episodes so we can feature them on our show. You can make a request, see the current request list, or speak with the show host by visiting the Cartoon Boom subreddit. You can also connect with our network by visiting nerdsloth.com or searching for Nerdsloth on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. See you next Saturday.